I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch-Up, a handy summary of the week's news at Sixfields. We look ahead to Saturday's match at home to Doncaster Rovers. Coming up, we've got a chat with Andy Roberts, Northampton Town Supporters Trust Chair on the No Stand, No Land controversy, plus Doncaster Rovers reporter Steve Jones on the clash with Donny at the weekend. First up, I'm Tom Reed, and I'm joined by Wallet regulars Martin Maloney, James Avril, and Max Miller to chew the fat on the week's cobblers comings and goings. How you doing, guys? You all right? Yeah, all good. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, it's not too bad. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, guys. Um, Martin, you're on Cricket Tour at the moment. Tell us where you are and how the uh, the games have been going. Well, uh, currently I'm sat in the Premier Inn, Chesterfield North, um, before co- going out to a very nice German eatery that we um, we like here. But um, yeah, we'll be out and out and about in um, sort of I think are we Derbyshire or Nottinghamshire? I'm, sure. I'm not quite sure when Chesterfield sort of kind of borderish. But um, we'll be um, we'll be playing at Chatsworth House, which is dead fancy, obviously on um, on Friday against on Saturday rather against the staff there. And on Monday, we should be playing at Darley Dale, which I think their their ground and their pavilion was built in something like 1877. I so it's a yeah, it's nice. I mean, obviously not my normal shaped bat, uh, being a baseballer first, but cracking to get away with these lads. A team from Hertfordshire called the Outlaws that I play for have been around since 1948. But one of the lads who drinks in the Ecton One plays them, so he's wrote me in to help occasionally, and um, I quite like getting stuck in with them. Some of them must be pretty old if they first started in 1948. Man. <laughs> <laughs> up, to be fair, there was a, a lad, there's a lad who's a driving instructor turned up. He's got to be in his late 60s. Uh, one of the other lads has just retired. I'm the youngest person at the pub today um, out, out of the five of us that are up today. So, um, yes, it's, it's definitely an experience side with a lot of grey. <laughs> and how do you square your Republican socialist leanings with playing in such um, stately homes, the uh, the home of the landed gentry, Martin. It must be a contradiction. Uh, well, yes, it's, uh, I guess we all need a day off, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to understand but, you know, the up, up the workers. <laughs> <laughs> up the workers, but only after lunch and then tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to be fair, it is the staff rather than Lord Whatnot that we're playing. <laughs> I'm quite. You sound to be living a bit like Alan Partridge in the Travel Tavern at the moment, Martin. You've got like uh, a buffet to go to with a big plate. I'm certainly looking around for the larger plate. <laughs> quite right. Have you got your big plate, Martin? Well, it sounds yes. like you're having a good time. But I, I'm, I'm looking around now for a draw, but there doesn't appear to be one. <laughs> Don't touch the draw. <laughs> but it, you know, it must be a good tour for you to miss a Cobblers game. I know you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Crack. They're, they're they're a great bunch, and you know, I'll I'll miss. 
cobblers for very little. You know, I've got I think I've got a wedding um, in, in Bari, Bari in Italy in a couple of weeks. Nice. Yeah, not not much else. You know, will make me miss a game. And to be fair, I do have duty with ropes at work as best I can. I'm only ever on duty for a home game when I can use nip up six fields. <laughs> fair enough, mate. It sounds like you're having a, a good summer. Um, James, you sound like you have a good summer too. Every time I speak to you, either at a wedding or a festival, what are you? What have you been doing this this week? Tell us your uh, or this this past couple of weeks. What have you been up to? Well, uh, went to a festival and I got two weddings coming up. Oh, nice! Standard for you. <laughs> yeah, just usual, usual fair. Yeah. Fair play. I I, I, you know, a little bird has told me, and uh, I think the little bird was actually you that you uh, didn't you uh, you were a bit poorly, weren't you, at the um, the shoemakers game recently? A little bit. Yeah, well, no. I at said festival, I did get food poisoning, uh, which meant that uh, the morning after, when I was supposed to be managing the uh, shoemakers team, I decided to bench myself for virtually the entire game. <laughs> did have to come on for a 10 minute spell because people were dropping like flies because it was about 40 degrees. <laughs> and that 10 minute spell at the end uh, almost killed me off, I would think, is, is, the, is the correct term to use. <laughs> I was about to do the uh, kind of Winston Churchill style kind of halftime team talk. And as I was about to start, I thought, ah, things are slowly turning south here. Uh, can the assistant do the uh, halftime talk, please? And I went off into the nearest bush and uh, yeah. chucked up everywhere. It's <laughs> a, a good phrase. So then I had to, I was going to be sitting next to Max at the game later. And I had to message our mutual friend to apologise uh, that I was leaving him on his bill. <laughs> so sorry, Max. That's all so good, in, mate. That's all good. You got a good game, man. though. You got a good game, though. I'll say that. It was in, very entertaining. James, in journalistic terms, you had a virus, didn't you? You were missing with a virus in that game. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote about enough viruses. Oh, I want it. That's a part of my life I want to forget all about. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it sounds like you made the most of it. Um, do you remember what you what did you eat? I'm intrigued. What did I you think eat? it was I think it was some mac and cheese. Oh, well, that's a bad it's ironic because it tasted great, and I thought this is this is absolutely brilliant. And then yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> you don't want to be ill on mac and cheese or anything, don't you? It's all cream and everything. Anyway, let's move swiftly on from that one. But I'm glad that you're you're having a good summer as well, and just in a slightly different way, I guess. Um, what about you, Max? Have you been up to much with your summer, or are you just chilling out? Uh, mainly chilling out. Um, just been, just been me. Did a few gigs. Um, well, just watching gigs. That is, I don't play. But um, just went to go to Red Hot Chili Peppers a couple of week, uh, couple of months ago, and Bowls. But I was hoping to get tickets to Glastonbury, but just missed out. Um, but other than that, just been chilling and just been working in my full time job uh, at the NHS for the time being. So. Fair play. And. Um... If you went to a festival, you would have seen James anyway at the mac and cheese stand. So. I, yeah, I did, or... I did go to Glastonbury and you would have got COVID. <laughs> Hands oh, down, you would have got oh, COVID. Quite so glad I like missed some it. sort of like scientific testing doll, you know, like a, a, a crash test dummy for all these illnesses. You're, just, <laughs> you're taking them on head first, aren't you, James? I, worryingly, I saw an article about bird flu today, so you know, I've got to brace myself for that. It's basically <laughs> patient zero at this point. <laughs> And then, yeah, then Max, Max will sort you out with the NHS, so don't worry about it. Um, let's move on from all this uh, frivolity over the summer to, um, yeah, a little bit of frivolity, I guess. I miss this game, but um, crew to Northampton too. Um, were you there at that game, Slugger? Uh, yeah, 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 we, we went up. Um, it was it was entertaining enough. Um, I think I was put in mind, actually, as we saw the stats afterwards, 
of conversations we had might, might have had two years ago with the same result, perhaps under Keith Curl, where we would have um, perhaps had like 38, 39% possession and scraped a draw. Um, very much feels like there's been an evolution and, you know, to be sort of play crew off the park second half, you know, we obviously yes. then s- sitting back. Um, definitely seems, you know, there's, um, you know, a different vibe about, about the team now, but it was, um, it was, it was a cracking game. Um, you know, obviously going sort of two nil down worldy, um, from their lad, very wind assisted, um, as we kind of noticed all with their goalkeepers kicks. And got away, got away with a terrible foul. I wasn't sure at the time, so I was following the ball. But then you see the replay. Terrible foul on on, on McGlore, Malwar. We'll we'll leave that debate for another time. Um, and then we concede the second. You're like, oh, you know, we have looked a bit scratchy at the back. But Sammy getting one back almost sort of straight away just before half time. And then second half, I thought we we were outstanding. Albeit, I don't think we used the ball for the amount of possession we had. I don't think our use of the ball was particularly good, but came up trumps at the end. And, you know, 97th minute equaliser, you know, you're never going to knock those. Yeah, of course. And it just seems like an eventual game. And I think the substitution changes are making these games go right to the death. So they're quite exciting. People like me that I often like for my sins, I'll leave 10 minutes before the end if I can get away with it. But now I sort of can't really do that anymore. Um, James, was this the game you missed because you were out of date with the bush? No, that was the previous week. I did go to Crew. Um, thankfully, uh, thankfully, my body was in a sufficient position for me to travel to Crew. Yeah, I, I'd agree yeah. with Martin. I, I don't, I, I don't actually think we. Although we had a lot of the ball, it was a lot of hoof ball. I thought uh, in the second half, just trying to kind of it looked more and more desperate as trying to get in. We were struggling to kind of create chances, even though we had the majority of the ball. They were very good at kind of breaking the play down, time-wasting, like every team does when they're, when they're winning. Thankfully, they did get the minutes added on at the end. And like you say, Sam Hoskins has popped up and, and rescued us again. But I think the one positive thing is that we're getting results uh, when we're not playing well. And also, we, we've got options off the bench to change games and, and make an impact off the bench, which we didn't have last year. So even though we're not playing anywhere near our top level at the moment, I would say we've got some really encouraging signs that shows that once we do do that, we could be a force to be reckoned with. That was a good summary as usual, James. Um, did you go to this one, Max? No, I wasn't. I unfortunately had to work on Saturday morning, so uh, unfortunately I missed it. But uh, by all accounts of it, um, you know, I was following it away from home. But um, it was. It, it, I almost like when you. I think when you're following it on Twitter, you kind of like. It's almost like you follow a different version of events because it's like you're just having to rely on what the club are tweeting yeah. or what reporters at the game are tweeting. So it's kind of like for me, it almost felt like a game of football manager, in that you were yeah. reading all the cobblers were you know dominating possession, you know, but they weren't doing much with it, and then that was it. Crew came forward and you know, well took out Magalore and it clearly was a foul twice, um, and you know scored with their pretty much their first shot on target. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that's kind of what it felt like. It just felt like, ah, here we go. It's football manager all over again. <laughs> Sometimes if you're just watching it from afar on, on you know, listening to it on the radio or whatever, it's um, it's just an interesting way to take it in, isn't it? And sometimes, um, yeah, it can be a bit more intense because you can't really see what's going on sometimes to get a proper grip on it. And um, sometimes Tim Oglethorpe's commentary is a bit um, yeah, avant-garde sometimes. <laughs> but... Um, Martin, do you think it was a fortunate comeback or was it deserved considering the possession we had? I think it was up about 60%, which is pretty good to be crew. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely say it was deserved. Um, you know, I 
yeah, I think I said we could have used the ball better in possession, but crew were they weren't at the races at all second half, and if they'd have held on, it it would have been a bit of a travesty. Yeah, I think um, it's just pleasing that those sort of games where you might have dropped a point or two in previous seasons that we're picking up those draws, that old adage of winning your homes and drawing your ways and you'll be up there. James, does that give you confidence going into Saturday for the, the Donny game or were there a little bits with like the defence, maybe the Maglor, little, you know, he ponders on the ball a little bit. Are you confident or you still got a couple of question marks about the performance? I mean, there's question marks, but that wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I'm not confident. We look like we can beat any team at the moment. Yeah. We look like we can score goals. It's almost like the role reversal of the start of last season, isn't it? Where it, mm. did it take us 12 games? I was reading in the Cron to reach the number of goals we've already reached this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's almost like role uh, reversal, isn't it? Where we're scoring loads but not keeping clean sheets. Personally, I prefer that. It's more entertaining for a, a speaking as a supporter. But yeah, yeah. You, you would you would want to see just us tighten up a little bit because the risk with not keeping clean sheets is that you, you do have to start kind of scoring two, three goals a game to, to get three points. And I, that that can be, you know, quite difficult, uh, and, you know, unless Sam Hoskins just suddenly conjures up the form of his life or something, you know, something like that happens, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah I'm, 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 it, I've been, you know, reasonably happy with kind of what I've seen and the actual kind of points tally is even better than the performances have perhaps warranted, which I think is probably a really promising sign. Yeah, that seems, that seems reasonable. Martin, what do you make of um, Leonard? Cause he's getting quite a lot of plaudits as being a quite a, a classy individual in the midfield. Have you been impressed with him? Oh, re- really, really impressed. Um, I think when he came off the, the bench in the league cup game, he was good. Absolutely outstanding then when he when he got his start um, down down at Crawley. Um, yeah, he, he he looks a real addition, and I think you know previously kind of Sowerby had been kind of one of the first names on the team sheet, and I'd say already after a couple of games, you know, you need a squad, you know, you don't need just one player for every position. But Leonard's put himself well ahead of Sowerby for myself now. Um, I, I've I've been couldn't be happier with what I see from him. Yeah, he just seems to have that upper level ability. And sometimes when you get a player that's a bit patient on the ball and can use their brain a little bit, it sometimes shows the class that does come from the higher leagues and maybe is a little bit lacking sometimes in the lower leagues. So he looks definitely one to watch. Um, James, what's your uh, take on Maglor? You know, he's a, he's a quick a quick player, uh, but he seems to have made a couple of mistakes. And do you think it's just a bedding in period and it, he'll sort of, he'll sort of um, make up for it or... You think he's got a mistake in him? It's a bit hard to tell, isn't it, so far? So I, I think he's a good player. I think he's much better suited to a three at the back yeah. than he is a two at the back. I think he is prone. I would argue he's probably more prone to a mistake than our other centre backs. Um, what you often see though is that he's got the pace to recover from the mistake. Um, yeah. But I, I would pr- probably prefer to have a, a kind of a centre back that doesn't make as many mistakes. I think in a three last year, he was really good. And you kind of thought, yeah, we've got a proper player on our hands here. I've not been convinced with him at a two. I'm also appreciative, though, that he hasn't had a full preseason. He's getting up to you know speed and that. So yeah. that's to be taken into account. But I have to say that at the, at the time, I thought he'd been out-muscled a bit too easily for, for the goal. But looking back, you know, it, it is a pretty decent shove so I think it's probably to attribute that goal to 
down to as an him as an error is probably a bit harsh but um you know he's he's certainly in in other games kind of there's been mistakes that have led to goal scoring chances which we haven't seen so much with you know we're not we're not used to seeing that really too much after Guthrie and Horsfall last year so I think it's just a case of being a bit patient uh with him accepting that he's gonna take a little while to get up to a speed a speed and also that we do have kind of other centre-backs that are going to be pushing him for his place I was super impressed with uh, Odomeo during pre-season and Sherring had, had a relatively solid start as well. So if we're playing for it at the back, that is four kind of really good, solid players, uh, you know, competing for those two positions, which is why I suspect we may see a return to three at some point soon because we've got so many options back there. And I think once we do that, I think that will suit McGloire better. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting that just because you're a fast player doesn't mean you necessarily you've got that quickness of thought, which makes a, a, a sort of a classy centre-back. And we've seen it in the past of you know, various couple of players. They might not be the quickest on the ball, but they've just got that sort of, that now, someone like Xander Diamond or someone, you know, that just just can read the game a little bit. And I think that, obviously, um, glory is a player for the future, isn't he? And sometimes I think we struggle a little bit with maybe if you had like an under 23 side where you can put someone like him in and just like work on him a little bit and polish him up. Same with um, a Perry up front. I think those sort of players will do well with that sort of setup, but they're really just thrust in at the deep end with the cobblers and you just got to take that. They're going to have some downsides to their game. And I think cobblers fans are generally pretty, um, with defenders, but we'll see what happens with McGraw. Um, let's move on quickly to um, Sam Hoskins has just gone absolutely mental. Uh, what can you say about him? For all of his detractors, and I've been critical of his finish in the past, and quite a few people have. He's just he just shuts all up, hasn't he? With seven goals, I think he's a top scorer in the whole country, heading for the Ballon d'Or. Um, Max, like he's been on the Cobbler show, and he's talked a little bit about playing a bit more um, consistently in a position. What what can you say about him? He's just he's just he's just playing playing brilliantly. He's carrying the team to an extent up front, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 been incredible. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I, you could label him inconsistent because I mean, the last couple of seasons he's finished our top goal scorer, and it's kind of yeah. like does that say more about him or does that say more about the team? Um, so I think it's I I still think there's a little bit more to come from him a little bit I'm not you know trying to be overly critical he's been fantastic you know I mean some of the goals he scored already I mean that that quarter for crew uh his his first game when he scored against Colchester was such a well taken goal um but it's been you know it's it's almost been like a revelation for him this is kind of like in a sense it's the player we expected when he first joined I mean obviously that first season he had where he signed from I think it was was it Yeovil we got him from I think I um, think it was um, yeah. uh, you know he was almost like I think he got something like 15 goals that season so we've kind of like is this the player and then he obviously had his you know fair share of rotten luck and like you said a little bit of inconsistency yeah. but I'm hoping it's kind of this season's kind of going to be like Right, this is the player we've always wanted. We've always wanted up to this level, if that makes sense. Like this is the yeah. standards we want from him. Okay, sure, maybe next season he's probably not going to immediately score seven or eight goals, but yeah. as long as he's perhaps got perhaps say five goals in perhaps the first month, then I think most fans will be very happy and perhaps be expecting a, a bit more of a goal return from him this season and perhaps next season as well. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the perfect analysis because. 
Cobbler's fans always, and we talked about it before, they love a scapegoat. So there'll always be people that will just slam him for, because he's just there to be, to be um, the whipping boy. But I think a lot of fans wanted him to live up to his potential. And he, he always felt to me a player that is better than just playing his whole entire career in League Two. Mm. He's getting on, getting on a bit in football terms. I think he's about 29 now. So he's getting to that stage where if he is going to kick on, this is the time. And he just seems to be grasping the nettle in that um, respect. Martin... Do you sort of agree that he's something's just clicking for him now and he just needs to keep it going, doesn't he, throughout the season? Absolutely do. I think he's, you know, I think the old, um, you know, there are a few, he's a bit of a scapegoat for some and I think the re- the response most of us have had has always been, well, hang about seven football managers probably know a little bit more than some bloke, <laughs> some bloke in the stand. But, you know, we, we've probably thought, well, you know, he's a player who'll give you a shift, he'll get get a few goals, get some assists. I think he, he's different level this year. You know, is I my perception, and I don't have the stats to back this up, is he's doing less and he's doing it better. Yeah. It really is that, you know, that the final, you know, that he's making fewer runs, but he's making better runs. Yeah. He's playing less, you know, he's he's almost having fewer fewer chances, but you know, got a better conversion rate. And he seems to be getting into, you know, crossing positions and crossing less times. But when he does, it's devastating. And whether, you know, a lot of that's going to be about him, whether there's something around some of the movement of of players around him, because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about players that maybe have not, you know, hit the ground running this season. We'll probably talk about the likes of Apparay and Hilton, perhaps. But what what's never missing from them is movement. And I wonder if that's helped Hoskins become a better player. But I, I'm loving every minute of it. It's, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a likeable guy. He's, on the Cobblers show, he just seems like uh, quite a thoughtful guy. And he obviously likes the club. He wouldn't stay at a football club for so long if you weren't um, fond of it. So, you know, long may it continue. And James, I think you have been a little bit of an advocate for him playing a more con, you know consistent role uh, more settled role and maybe a little bit through the centre, maybe a goal-scoring threat. So, no, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but it just seems like um, that that he's, he knows what his role is and that's helping him with his finishing, maybe. Yeah, I think he's been guilty of... Uh, not guilty, I think he's been... Victim. Victim, yeah, is, is the right word, of almost, you know, the Bentoza role of just managing to do a job in kind of every position that you put him in, which... Mm can hold you back as a player sometimes i remember it was the year after the uh, title uh, and i was reporting on the cobblers for the herald and post at the time so i went to pretty much most games home and away and hoskins had a spell as kind of a center attacking midfielder kind of just behind the striker through the middle and he was incredible for a run of about five or six games he was consistently my man of the match mm. and from ever since then i've firmly believed he's better through the middle than he is out on the wing. He's done a job for us on the wing because he's he's quick, but I wouldn't say crossing is his biggest strength. He, he can put a good cross in, but it's it's a little bit inconsistent sometimes. But he's always a threat when he's running at a defender yeah. and running in behind a defence. And I think he's obviously benefiting from having, like Martin said, a bit more of a settled role, knowing what he what the manager wants him to do. And it kind of being a bit more through the middle than than it perhaps has been during his spell 
you know, as a, as a player for the Cobblers, he's tended to be kind of shunted out to the wing. And I would never say that he's a specialist winger. You know, he's, he's not like Mitch Pinnock or something, you know, someone who yeah. clearly knows and has played that, you know, role throughout their career. Um, so, yeah, I'm absolutely thrilled for him. He deserves it. The, you ask any Cobblers fan and they'll always say, if a player gives 100% for you, that's all you can ask. And he has never once fell below that threshold. So I've always found it a little bit weird that he's been a scapegoat. Um, and it's good to see him kind of finally getting the, the love of the fans that he's, he's probably deserved for a little while. Yeah, that's well said, James. Um, I, think, I think that from my perspective, I like to see you know, attacking players that are pretty sharp finishers and you know, natural finishers. And I'm not always, I've always, you know, not been convinced that he's a natural finisher, but it seems at the moment he's taking his chances almost first time, not thinking about it too much. I think he, sometimes if he's got too much time to think, that's when he over overdoes it, overhits the ball or whatever. But everything he's touching is going in and that's what you want from an attacking player. So what can you say really? Just keep on scoring, Sam, and just keep everyone, keep everyone quiet. Keep all the money quiet. <laughs> Let's move on to, and this will figure with Sam Hoskins, actually. We did a little thing on Twitter about an early season report, a little report card on the players so far, and the criteria we talked about were the best player so far, and I feel that Hoskins is going to figure pretty highly on that one, and the player that surprised you most, so that can either be in a negative or a positive fashion player that has to step it up a bit and player you like to see more of. So I'll just go around the group quickly. Um, Martin, who's your best player so far? You don't have to give chapter and verse on it, just who's your best player so far. Uh, I, you can't say any more about Sammy Hoskins than has been said already. Revelation. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, player that has surprised you most? Uh, probably not in a good way is Danny Hilton. Okay. Explain. <laughs> um, I thought he would fit in right away He'd have goals. You know, it was just what we were needing with, you know, some young or less experienced forwards. I think his movement, his work rate, his general shithousery has been top draw. Yeah. He's just not looked like scoring a goal. I'm sure it'll come. But I think he needs to step it up and I'm very confident he will. Okay. So, yeah. So he's a player. So he's a player that has to step it up a bit as well. Okay. And player you'd like to see more of? Uh, Could... Could say could say similar of Hilton. I really think Bowie. I think Bowie is going to yeah. be sensational. He was brilliant off the bench uh, at both Grimsby and at Crawley. Uh, obviously, want to see loads of um, of Josh Eppier, but yeah, out yeah. of out of who I've seen so far, Bowie. I think if he if he gets everything working right, he's going to have a super season. Yeah, he looks pretty useful, and he's come through the. He's been. He came through. Um, I think it's Rafe Robles, don't you? Rafe, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think and he went at Fulham. Scored very well at Fulham. They don't have many um, bad youth players, so he he'll be a bit useful, and he'll grow into that role. So I, I like the Bowery as well. I think that's a good one. Uh, James, who's your best player so far? I think you've already oh, said it. Yeah, Hoskins. Fair play. Quick fire. Uh, player that has surprised you most? In a good way, Harvey Lintot. I think he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, I remember. Thinking, you know, when we, we had Ali Koike play a pre-season game for us last year and you kind of watched him immediately and thought, yeah, he's going to fit right in. Yeah. I had that vibe with Lintot as well in, during pre-season. Okay. And again, I think he's been superb. I think his best crew was his, his best game so far. Really solidly, def- 
solid defensively, but for a, for quite a tall lad, he's pretty rapid and, and, and can get forward and offers quite a lot kind of down the wing. I think I was, you know, a bit worried when McGowan got injured. Um, but I have to say, he's made that place his own so far. And Aaron's got a, Aaron's going to have a good old battle on his hands to get his place back. I've been really impressed with him. That's that's cool. I was a bit dubious about him with Maglore, just as a, an experienced combination down that centre sort of right of the defence. But you know, I, well, you've been probably seen him more than me. I take your appraisal um, pretty uh, strongly. So he looks pretty good. Um, player that has to step it up a bit. I can see why um, Martin went for Danny Hilton. To me, he's just he's focused a bit more on being like doing the dark arts for us than being a clearly very good footballer, which he is. I mean, that Luton game in pre-season, he was outstanding. I thought, my word. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, it's not quite clear, but like mine says, it's going to. He's too good a player for it not to. The player I'm actually going to go for is Ali Koike. Um, widely kind of acknowledged on this podcast last year as being a bit of a revelation. I think, of course, you know, there was question marks some question marks over his defensive capabilities, but I thought he really stepped on on that front last year. That said, he's had a poor start to this season. The, perfect, the defending for the crew goal from him was pathetic at the weekend, and he has really got to step up because Ryan Haynes, every time he has come on, has contributed positively. So yeah. um, I don't know whether that linked move with Derby has, has kind of played on his mind or if he's tired or whatever but yeah it's just not yeah. quite clicking for Koike at the moment but he needs to step up because he now has someone waiting in the wings who can do a job which I don't think was the case last season because obviously you know Joseph Mills was you know had to retire at, at the end wasn't the kind of player that um, you know we, we, we signed originally due to, the, due to the injuries this year he's got competition so yeah Ali Koike needs to step up Fair enough, but at least we know with Curry he has got the ability. He's not a player we yeah. sort of iron about. We know he's got it in his locker. Exactly. Deliver it, and I always like him going forward. I'd like to see a bit more of an advanced role for him, but then it just pushes other players out, so it makes it a bit more difficult. But clearly, a player requires him. We'll go back to form at some point. Um, player you'd like to see more of, James? I've already mentioned him. Partly, probably, you know, due to injury, we've not seen him. Aki Nodimeo, I thought he was superb in pre-season and yeah can't wait to see him uh and see how he kind of fits in with either a back four or a back three uh so yeah Akinodimeo a, a little bit of Ben Fox as well I've been really impressed with what I've seen of him so far but you know just that injury it's been a bit a bit of a stop start um yeah. kind of uh beginning of the campaign for him but he's he's looked good whenever I've seen him yeah came very highly rated from Grimsby so he'll be one to watch for sure uh so let's go to you Max best player so far uh, you know, I'm going to have to agree with the others on this one. It's been Hoskins. <laughs> I don't think any comments needed on that one. <laughs> I think it was um, you know, Tall who was on with Martin the other day on the, BBC, on the uh, Cobbler show. I think he uh, he did. He made this sort of mock-up of the Cobblers team. And it was all like um, Sam Hoskins' head on everyone's shoulders. It was really quite disturbing. <laughs> Realist. Really. Interesting. Tom, have you, have you had anyone on Twitter respond who hasn't put Hoskins for best player so far? Uh... I don't no, I don't think so. I don't think you really can. I'll come on to my Twitter in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'll go through it. I'll go, I can't read out all the responses we've had loads, but if you go on our Twitter, you'll see other people's responses. I'll try and find out out of interest if anyone hasn't got our skins. But and just James, quickly, just for a laugh, like who would he would who could actually rival Hoskins? Is there anyone? Burge. 
Burge, but no one wants to choose a goalie, do they? It's just a bit no. dour, I'd, I'd say Burge is your your only one. I mean, you you could make a legitimate argument for Burge because we have been, you know, the elephant in the room. We do look like we can, could concede against anybody, and Burge yeah. has probably been worth, you know, arguably five or five or or even nine points so far this season. Yeah, it's nice. Cobblers. Uh, goalies, they sort of go in cycles, don't they? You have some really good ones, and then you have a bloody terrible one. Um, yeah, we, we've been, we, you know, I've, I've probably been very open about my views on recent keepers. We've been the best, you know, the best part of five or six years without good. Yeah. And you know, we've got an, an okay backup. That's fine. You know, he's he's fine as as someone sitting on the bench. I worried that Roberts was going to be a tough one to replace, and you know. He'll. It'd take a lot for Burge to be right up there where Roberts is, but yeah, it's. We've recruited really well, I think, for defenders and for keepers under under the current regime. That's a good thing. Yeah, I was thinking of um, Mark Bond. I think Chris Dunn came after him, and they were like they they rhymed a little bit, but they were very uh, chalk and cheese and pair. Chris Dunn, I thought was rubbish. Um, yeah. He yeah, was. Back, he player was. <laughs> a player that has surprised you most, Matt. I was going to say uh, that was going to be my pick was Burge uh, again was pretty much you know when Roberts left you were thinking oh here we go we're going to get so many absolutely woeful and probably going to get another Jonathan Mitchell type player um, <laughs> but um, but thankfully I mean to be honest with you I hadn't really heard much of Lee Burge I know he'd like come through Coventry and you know been at uh, Sunderland and he actually came with pretty good reviews so I was kind of thinking oh no he's come with very good reviews you know how that usually works out for us yeah um, but he's been phenomenal. I mean, that save he did against Hartlepool was, you know, incredible to stop them from getting a, a, almost an immediate leveller. Um, and the game against um, Colchester as well, where he pulled off a, a wonder save, to, you know, and that actually, you know, he's a very good shot stopper. And I think he's quite a commanding goalkeeper as well, which is kind of what we need at the moment, considering we're a little bit defensive, you know, a bit of a defensive liability. Yeah. Um, but he's been, you know, been a solid pick. I mean, he just, just he's the one guy I'm really rooting for that hopes, you know, hopefully gets a clean sheet at some point in the future because he deserves it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Martin's a bit of a Mackham, and uh, anyone that comes through Sunderland is going to be pretty useful. They're not going to sign too many duds, although their fans might just argue completely opposite. But I think he's. Uh, he's <laughs> well, to be fair, our, our record of signing players for Sunderland, you know, we, we have, you know, Martin Smith, Ian Sampson, you know, this simply follows in a a great tradition. Well, he could Gabby sign some rats. Uh, te- technically, Gabby Martin Dini. Smith was signed from Huddersfield. He was, oh, wasn't he? Yes, you're right. You're right. Gabby yeah, we, and we could probably sign some random bloke who's who's played for the Mackhams, and he'd be like, he'd be brilliant here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so Lee Burge looks pretty useful. Uh, player that has to step it up a bit. Uh, hand, hands down for me, Mitch Pinnock. Um, he's I've not seen much of him at all in the games he's played. I mean, the only time I've actually seen him that he's been pretty good uh, was when he came on as a sub against Wickham, and he was pretty involved for the last like 20 minutes of that game. But yeah. other than that, you don't really see much. I think he had a shot that just went wide against Crew at the weekend, but other than that, he's been relatively uninvolved. But whether that's because he was pretty much the same last season, where it took him a bit of time to get up and running, maybe he's just perhaps carrying something in perhaps over from pre-season that we don't know about but I haven't really been too impressed with him but you know I really hope he steps up though but at the moment he's my pick for the minute there's a setup as well is a setup season him you know is he where's his best position all that sort of stuff but I've heard that comment quite a lot so there must be something good in that uh play you'd like to see more of um 
I'd like to see a lot more of Ben Fox. Uh, again, comes from a pretty good, you know, footballing background. I think he came through the youth academy at Leicester, went to Burton Albion, and then ended up at Grimsby. And like you said, he comes for pretty highly rated from Grimsby. Um, and you know, from what I read of him in pre-season, um, you know, he looked he looked the player. And when he came on against Hartlepool, he you know added a lot of composure to that midfield, uh, and it allowed Leonard to get a bit more. Uh, creative freedom. So I think he's that player that is happy to uh, do a hard graft, sure. um, but it's like an unnoticed one, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's exactly what Grimsby fans said, actually. They said he's um, just a, a bit of a workhorse in the middle, quite dynamic, it's going to uh, break the play up and stuff, so he's um, he'll come you know, good. He's had a, he had an injury, so he's going to come better and better through the season, so... But if not, then I would like to see... Uh, well, I haven't really watched any of Odimeo yet, so I can't really comment on that. But I'd love to see Max Dyche perhaps get a, a few more games this year, personally. Yeah, for sure. He just, seemed, he just seems like... That resonates with what I'm, my choice for that one. I'll go into that in a minute. But it just seems like some of the youth players are a little bit floundering at the moment. Don't get much of a chance. But quickly, my one's... Uh, best player so far has got to be Hoskins. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Player that surprised you most, I'm going Leonard. Quite interested to see more of him. He just seems, like I said before, a bit classy on the ball. So he's a usual one and uh, one of those loan signings that are kept coming and you weren't really sure which one was going to be uh, first team starters. And he looks like he's imposing himself in that way. Player that has to step up a bit. I'm going to go McGlaw just from some of the reports I've had. I've seen him a couple of times myself. And yeah, he's only a young guy. He, he will uh, improve with time. He's a progressive player. He'll. He'll come on for that experience, and then play. You'd like to see more of. I'm going to go Max Dyche as well. I, I, I don't. I think the club. Not that they've got questions to answer about their use of our homegrown talent, but you know, if you look at the stats for homegrown talent last season, this season under 23 players that have come through, it doesn't look particularly good. So I'd like to see him have a few more chances. And if you don't, you've got to deal with his dad. So <laughs> good luck with that one. He'd come in with that. Uh, do you remember that tackle he did against Notts County? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that <laughs> that's the Shocker. one time I've literally heard the entirety of Sixfields just go, oh, like that, and just like fall into silence. Like yeah, everyone just like yeah, that's a red card. The club tweeted it a little while ago, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it back. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, and I saw a photo of Sean going to watch the train, and I think it was Colin Calderwood, and Colin Calderwood was all like jovial, like, ha ha ha. I can imagine just Sean's Sean's presence there. He's sort of saying, start playing, my son. <laughs> Or you'll, or you'll, uh, you'll regret it. But no, obviously, no, Sean's not like that. But yeah, it's, uh, he's a Dyche looks like a good player anyway. It probably needs a few more minutes. Right then, let's have a word from the Doncaster Rovers' perspective on this weekend's game between Cobblers and Donny at Sixfields. Please be joined by Steve Jones, Doncaster reporter for the Doncaster Free Press. How's it going, Steve? The mood in the Rovers' camp must be fairly buoyant after some useful results. Yeah, definitely. All, all good cheers. And, and absolutely, I think... We were just saying off air, weren't we, that it's taken everyone by surprise. I think I don't think um, I'm doing anyone a disservice when I say that. I think to be unbeaten after five games, especially in the manner uh, of the, some of these results have came, is it's been brilliant for Doncaster, really. So it sets up this weekend nicely with Northampton also being unbeaten. Yeah, I'm not hugely surprised at the start for Donny because, well, I don't want to blame my own trumpet, but at the and obviously nothing settled yet, but. I did um, preview for when Saturday comes and I had to do like one to, you know, one to 24 or whatever, whatever it is to the final standings. And I just looked at Donny and I looked at some of your players and 
I always put a lot of cop to how well run the club is, especially in League Two. And I just thought I put, I think I put you in the playoffs, so you're sort of on <laughs> on schedule for that. I, I don't know if you will end yeah. up there, but I don't think it's a surprise. Do you agree that it's quite a well well run club overall? I think, I mean, obviously, just coming into the role, it seems to be a club that's self-sustaining. Um, yeah. I think if the money isn't there, then you know you can't expect it to to be there. You know, um, someone ultimately has to foot the bill. So if you know, if there's no huge budget there to to go and spend massive amounts of money, then then so be it. I think the budget certainly allows them to be a strong team in League Two. I think, yeah. just on your point, I believe playoffs is perhaps about par, uh, especially with the squad they've got. If they can get some of these guys back fit who missed large chunks of last season, I think you are then looking at, at the core of, of potentially a good League One side, um, certainly a top end League Two team despite the business teams like Bradford have done and Stockport have obviously recruited well. They feel like they've just added a little bit on top of what they already had in the National League. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, on the whole, the club is, you would hope, I think all things being well, maybe a League One club in this day and age. Uh, But certainly, I think while they're in League Two, you know, the budget won't be the biggest in the league, but it will be competitive enough to allow them to to get that par finish of, of of somewhere in the playoffs, and that's reasonable expectation-wise, and that's asking too much of anyone. And you never know. I think um, you know, for as long as your Stockports and your Bradfords keep stuttering, um, there might well be an opening there for the automatic spots. And, and Donny have made no secret of that either. That they, um, that's their first aim is to get top three, which uh, is yeah. great to hear. And it, it, it's been quite warming actually to see them, perhaps for their own sake, just back up their words with. Um, with a few good results and performances have been getting better as well to go with that. Yeah, let's go Let's go on to that. And I think there's a lot of parallels between the two clubs. Uh, I would suggest that in terms of club size, that old anathema, they're fairly fairly similar in, in terms of you know, the stature and the place in, in football. Maybe Doncaster have probably dead trade a little bit higher, but um, and especially on the pitch this season, it's fourth v fifth, we're fourth v fifth. Level on 11 points, both won three games and drawn two. Northampton have scored more, but Doncaster have conceded fewer. Um, Donny have scored, I think, four injury time goals, so look like a side you don't really know when they're beaten. And the same for Cobblers, who have also scored late on. So it just seems like a fairly even tussle on paper. I don't know if you've read too much into it so far, but yeah, it looks fairly even. But I'd agree with that. I think, I'll be honest, I think given the, the injury situation, I think even Northampton have got some injuries, so there's, there's another similarity there. Mm-hmm. I really I don't want to sit on the fence but I think a draw would be a, a fair result I guess on paper and it would also I think represent a very good result potentially for Doncaster given what happened last weekend against Salford just for context they lost three defenders uh, to injury so they're a little bit bare-boned at the back um, one of the defenders they lost actually came on as a sub for Tom Anderson who went off early uh, so you know, potentially Doncaster could be looking at playing Bobby Faulkner, who's a very promising 18-year-old uh, centre-half. Uh, yeah. But that would be his first ever professional start in men's football. Um, it's a big ask, but, you know, he's, he looks like a, a promising young talent. And I'm sure the fans, there's definitely an appetite to see him there. Um, I'm hearing a lot of great things about him from you know, scouts, coaching staff, just people around the club. So, yeah, I think it does seem pretty even between Doncaster and Northampton at present. And, yeah, I think it should set up a good game. Um, a little bit wary of Sam Hoskins. Uh, I think that's very impressive to have scored seven goals already this season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Doncaster, 
they've only kept one clean sheet. So while they've conceded fewer goals than Northampton, some of the goals I've conceded have been pretty sloppy. Um, and that is one area for improvement. So I think it'll mm. take a good defensive effort from Donny on Saturday uh, to get a positive result. But I think where Don, Donny's talents lie, uh, particularly um, at this moment in time, is is what they've got in attack. They've got a few options there now. They've got one or two players hitting a little bit of form. So yeah. provided they can um, just knit something together at the back, even if it is a little bit makeshift, if they can get you know a, a decent defensive line out there, then you would back them to score you know at least a, a couple of goals um, if they have <laughs> them. This is all very similar to, to us at the moment, actually. We're well known for being a, a defensively well-drilled unit because of Colin Calder, the assistant manager there, obviously a Scotland international play for Tottenham in defence. We're usually very good at defence, but this season we've had a couple of injuries in defence, bit of a makeshift defence, bit like you, and we've been conceding a couple of goals we wouldn't have done last season, so that's interesting. And then likewise, we've got quite a lot of forward um, options. The the recruitment's been quite forward heavy or, you know, attacking heavy. So we've got, you know, we've just signed a, a guy called Josh Appier on loan from Leicester City. He's just very tricky, rapid player. Suffered a few injuries, probably weighs down with us, but he's an interesting signing if he plays. So it just seems, yeah, very evenly matched, really, on, on paper. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, let's quickly go over your... Your record this season, although it's only a short season so far. Uh, opening day, drew 0-0 v Bradford, which isn't a bad result. Beat Sutton 2-1, and they're always a difficult side to play. Um, drew 2-0 v Wimbledon, and likewise they can perform on their day. Beat Stockport 2-1, which I don't know is quite a useful, a bit of a northern tinge to that result, and uh, another good one. And then, although you said you know there's been injuries, you, you did beat uh, Salford, didn't you? 2-1 with a brace from Kyle Hurst. So they're two good recent results. Yeah, absolutely. I think performances have been getting better, really. Salford looked like a good team. Um, I think Gary Sheffield was right when he, he tipped them to be up there. I feel like um, that was the best performance we've seen so far, uh, minus the first 20 minutes. Stockport largely, again, I think after 20 minutes, they went down to 10 men, but it was a good start from Doncaster in that game. And I feel like it was a good time to play Stockport. Perhaps they haven't yet hit their stride in League Two, but you know they've got quality there. It's, it's obvious just looking at the team sheet, and they did look like a half-decent side when they had their little spells as well. Yeah. Um, the two draws on the road, I think, are very credible uh, results. Uh, Performance-wise, Bradford was, was brilliant, really, to dig in with, with 10 men for so long. Real kind of, like I said, hostile crowd, um, just a cauldron-like atmosphere. It was, it was ready to blow up in there. So I think that was the young Doncaster team that day, particularly at the back. Um, so it was a, it felt like, uh, you know, the overwhelming feeling after that game was pride. I think Wimbledon, um, again, great to come back from 2-0 down so late on. Uh, Sutton, you, you know, you might put that one down to luck at first, scoring two goals down in, in injury time. But there is obviously a theme that's emerged with this Doncaster team that they've scored, I think, four goals uh, in stoppage time, uh, yep. scored against Salford City in first half of stoppage time. So, you know, like like your boss said, I think it's a great characteristic for teams to have. Um, like I said, the early signs have been promising. A few warning signs with some of the goals they've conceded a bit, looked a bit sloppy. And, and when yep. they have gone in, I think Donny have had spells where they've looked pretty ordinary. Uh, however, you know, across a, a game of 90 minutes, um, you know, largely it's it's been very good so far. Yeah, you're always going to get flat patches and teams are still being put together as we speak. So we're still tr- probably trying to bring in one or two players. No doubt you would too if, the, if they're available. So it's still a very makeshift beginning to the season. And to pick up those 
number of points is still pretty useful. Let's move on to your manager, Gary McSheffery, who just is one of these names that I link with Coventry City. I think he was a player for them, played for you as well, and has moved into management, had a, quite a good career as a player. Um, was appointed December 2021, wasn't quite able to prevent relegation to League Two. There seemed to be a bit of a review of football operations in the back room in which uh, James Coppinger, I think the club's legend there, rings a bell, yes. uh, was appointed head of football operations. Um, so there's there's been some changes to the infrastructure, obviously some questions asked about relegation. What do you make of McSheffrey so far? Um, seems to have... Um, Rovers fans purring in that Stockport win with McSheffery ball. Now that's a phrase and a half, isn't it? Definitely. I think it was fair to say after last season, and I, I think the one thing we absolutely should say, it, it does appear that, and I wasn't covering Rovers last year, so I, I can't comment too much. It felt to me from the outside looking in that he perhaps inherited a, a sinking ship. Um, I know a few fans felt that the club was already essentially relegated when he t- even when he took over in December. They certainly felt they were heading that way anyway. And even though he took over, I think he, I mean, coupled with his caretaker time in charge, it would have been just over a season's worth of, a half a season's worth of games. Um, but you can't judge him too heavily on the business he would have been able to do in January because when you're down there at the bottom of League One or any league, you, you're not going to get the best players available to you, are you? are going to kind of have to, to make do with what you've got a little bit. And I think those you are getting in aren't going to be um, players that are going to be particularly in demand. So I think it was fair to say at the start of the season, there were still some hearts and minds to be won over. That's probably still the case in some quarters. But again, all the you know all the signs are pointing in the right direction based on this good start they've had. Um, you're right to mention the, the review of the football operations. That seems to be quite a significant restructure where I think players like, well, ex-players like Coppinger and, and McSheffrey, who you know had a great playing career, they're they're trying to recreate a culture and environment um, and some of those non-negotiables that they had in their career, which allowed them to be successful for yeah. large periods of time. I think Coppinger said at a fans event last month that he feels that the team they've got a, a kind of giving the players everything they they need in order to be successful. And, and so far, you'd say it's working. I mean, it is early days and I'm sure there'll be some bumps in the road. Um, Doncaster's biggest Achilles heel is just getting over this um, this kind of just raft of injuries that keep coming. Uh, it just looked like they were starting to, to clear a hurdle. Uh, two more key players potentially to come back later this month in John Taylor and Ben Close. And then last weekend, you know, three players go off injured, including Tom Anderson, who's played, I think, three times since December. Uh, and he's a potentially key player at the back. So, yeah, I think... You know, what a huge shot in the arm for McSheffrey would be if he could just get a boost with injuries and, and just catch a bit, a, a bit of a break there um, yeah. to be able to work with a good team of players for a sustained period. And, and you know, the, the signs are pointing there that if things are on his terms a little bit more, now he's had a bit of time to, to have his own pre-season, his own proper transfer window, get his own men in, um, that he can make success of this. And, and good luck to him as well. Mm, it- it's crazy, really. But any manager really needs probably about four or five years to really assert themselves in a football club, bring in the players they want, you know, change bits here and there. But you have to hit the ground running now. And McSheffrey will be judged probably on game one, two and three and continue to be so. But I think the results are stacking up so far. And that 21 pass move goal, I watched it on 
on YouTube, and I had to fast forward it because you had the ball for so long. I was like, I can't. No offense, I can't watch it for so long. And I got <laughs> to the end, and the ball was still with with you guys. That must have been a pretty impressive goal to watch. Yeah, like I said, I mean, they've not always been that eye-catching, although they've they've scored some good goals. Carl Hurst last weekend scored two brilliant goals. Um, I think it's interesting, and I quite appreciate McSheffrey's perspective that you know they're not looking to play total football per se, um, as that goal might suggest. But I think when there's a chance to play, they will. But again, I think he wants them to be streetwise. We hear a lot about game management from him, and and they're not scared to um, you know, to try and defend a lead. I think at Bradford we saw some of their game management and that's not the sort of team they are by any stretch but they've got that in their armory there they've got some some nous uh, in the in the side and yeah they, they can play um i think speaking to a colleague it sounded like you know when McSheffrey first came in he was perhaps setting them up not to get beat um a little bit more in survival mode but whereas now you know they're in a position where uh, to use a phrase of his you know they're going to have more games on their own terms um so they can dominate teams, they can get on the ball, they can, sure. you know, get players like Lee Tomlin playing. Um, and he's shown in the in the first few weeks just um, how talented he is and how creative he is. And there's, you know, he's 33. Obviously, there's always a question mark, I think, when players hit that age. And with him and his circumstances, I think there were a few people wondering, you know, what sort of uh, Lee Tomlin we would get. But... We, you know, we're getting a pretty good version of Lee Tomlin. He's still got plenty to give, um, that's for sure. And, and he looks like he could be a, a really important player for Doncaster. Yeah, we were aware of Lee Tomlin. I think he played for both Russian Diamonds and Peterborough, which is blind his copybook uh, down this way by a, a tremendous amount. But I know he's a, he's a very useful player. Probably won't get a, a great reception for his uh, past club choices, but he can't help that, I guess. Um, but yeah, it just seems that with uh, McSheffrey, he seems quite pragmatic in his style. I think... Just from reading a little bit and seeing a couple of games, you know, watching a couple back and stuff, that yeah, you know, I think you're right that he probably does want have a style in mind and he probably does want to play some nice football, but um, just making sure those points keep being racked up because you want to be back in League One, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know any football philosophy central to that has to be win your next game. I think as far as McSheffrey's concerned, there were there were one or two fans kind of saying they wanted to give him around 10 games at the start of this season. And, and I do feel that in terms of getting fans on side, and it looks like they're doing that, by the way, the atmosphere has been much improved even in the, the first few weeks and, and what I'm seeing online. Um, I would say that, you know, wins, it's credit in the bank for McSheffrey. It kind of feels like, you know, the more wins he can get early, the, the better the mood around the place. Perhaps it might just give them, you know, everyone, fans, players, staff, that bit of confidence, momentum. Um, just, perhaps a change of environment around the place because it, it hadn't been a great 18 months. I think the slump that led to relegation actually had started in the season before last um, with Darren Moore. I believe they lost four games just before he left for Sheffield Wednesday and things didn't go great under Andy Butler, who was in caretaker charge. And it went from bad to worse with Richie Wellens. So, yeah, I think, you know, any wins are, are just welcome because it, it's a bit of respite. And I think the home record last season was one of the worst in the Football League. I think only Oldham lost more games at home. Well, Rovers have gone and won three in a row uh, first in their first three games at home, minus a you know a bad night against Lincoln. But thankfully, that doesn't look like a blip. And yeah, I feel that you know as I said before, any wins are going to help McSheffrey just because he, he hasn't had many at, um, at Doncaster to date. And, and, you know, football's about winning and, and Doncaster have, have been absolutely crystal clear. This isn't, you know, anyone else is saying this. Um, you ask the players, the staff, management, uh, promotion 
is is the aim for the season, according to all of them. So, yeah, if if that's what you want, you've got to be winning games and, and doing it regularly. That makes sense. And McSheffrey, I think he said it fairly recently, he was quoted as saying, um, even the other night, Stockport were the favourite. To go into every game as the underdog, it's hard to implement an expansive, exciting style of play because ultimately you might lose games. So he's obviously aware of the need to win games and, you know, being harmed by relegation, but also that Doncaster may be not the most glamorous side in the league, and not there is many glamour sides in the league, but, you know, Stockport, they, they, with the money they've been splashing, they get the, the headlines, Bradford, obviously a big club. He's just trying to manage it, isn't he, and try and be realistic about, you know, how Doncaster set out, I think. Yeah, there's, there's probably a bit of expectation management in there as well, mm-hmm. because I don't think that, you know, even though I think in terms of pedigree, I mean, I, I'm looking down, quick look down the table. I can't think of many other teams in League Two that have been in a championship in the last 10 years. So, you know, yeah. you might argue there is a case to be made that, you know, if we're judging this on pedigree, which we shouldn't because, you know, it means nothing when you're in League Two, you know, Doncaster might well be up there as, as one of the top teams in this division. However, I think they've gone under the radar with the bookies even still, um, which is probably fine by everyone at the club. Um, like I said, I think the budget's a good one. Uh, at the league, but I don't think it'll certainly don't think it'll be, uh, you know, the top budget in that division. Um, and what that means, I guess, is that yeah, expectation management has to come in a little bit. And I think, as far as Doncaster are concerned, they've got you know a good team, um, a good core, and there's one or two players that you know if they can kick on, your George Millers, your Luke Molyneux, um then they could be you know real top players in this league and, and potentially go a bit higher. So yeah, yeah I think um, you know McSheffrey's doing a good job with what he's got at the minute, definitely. That reminds me, I might go and, as I've uh, tipped you up for playoffs, I might go and put a bet on after this. I'll, I'll see what uh, you do on Saturday, but if you, you know, if you, do, if you play pretty well, I might uh, put a cheeky bet on if the odds are still pretty useful. Um, in terms of McSheffery's um, tactics, um, has he got a preferred formation? Does he play a preferred, you know, like setup, or is he quite fluid? So, I think at home, it seems to have been a bit of a 4-2-3-1. Um, which obviously would suggest that's a team that you know wants to try and get on the ball and, and play attacking football. Uh, in pre-season against Rotherham and, and Huddersfield, two two better teams from a higher league, um, we saw them operate with a 4-4-1-1, uh, Tomlin being in the 10. Um, and he actually showed a, a different side to his game. You know, he can stay disciplined in that shape, um, but he's generally with the first man to break uh, in that formation when Rovers look to, to get the ball forward fast. Um, this weekend, it is a di- I'm just, I was just trying to put together a, a predicted team. It's yeah. difficult with the injuries because there may well be a few square pegs in round holes. Tommy Rowe, last week it was a tactical switch. He went to left back from left wing. He can also play in, in the centre of midfield. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him operate in a few different roles. I think one thing they've looked to try and do is, is just switch the wingers on either flank Um that's not a new tactic, but it can be quite an effective one. Uh, I would expect something close to a 4-2-3-1. I don't think... Uh, I mean, they've got a young player, Josh Andrews. He's, he might only be 20, but he's six foot five um, and can handle himself. He is their target man, so to speak. Um, he's generally come off the bench and operated from the bench, but I wouldn't have thought they'd play with two strikers uh, this weekend. I think when you've got Tomlin in there, and like I said, he's got a few a few different bits to his game that people won't necessarily realise. He is capable, like he showed last weekend, of, of dropping back into midfield and, and just helping the team. 
And obviously, we all know what he can do going forward. So I think with a player like that at 10, you kind of get a little bit more solidity when you don't have the ball. Uh, and obviously, he's talented enough that you know he can kind of make up for it when, when he's got the ball as well going forward, creating stuff. So who would you say your main goal threat in? Is that, is that Tomlin or would that be someone else? Good question. I think there's a few. And um, again, you know, not, I don't want to feel like I'm sitting on the bench there, uh, sitting on the fence there at the bench. Um, George Miller is a player that can score goals. Um, looks the sort of classic. I mean, I think most of his goals I've seen so far have come in the 18-yard box. Uh, but, you know, great work rate. Uh, doesn't give the defenders a moment's peace. Um, if he gets a chance, you'd back him. He's, he's got two goals already. Um, but he is the sort of player, I think, like last weekend against Salford, he, you know, he might run all day long and a chance might not fall to him. I think a lot of the creativity comes via Tomlin, as you'd expect. Um, be wary of Adam Clayton. I think he, he loves to kind of launch these quarterback passes from deep. Um, yep. Carl Hurst is a, quite an exciting winger, um, signed on a free transfer from Birmingham City. He gives us something a little bit different as a ball carrier, um, capable of playing, taking players on making up territory, I think, got his first two goals last season, um, last week. Um, and you never know with players like that, you know, perhaps, you know, that might be the floodgates opening, we hope, of course. Um, Tommy Rose, uh, you know, a class act at, at this level as well, and the level above goals and assists. So you, just going back to what I said earlier, this is where I feel Rovers' talents are at the moment is, is going forward, um, sure. you know, defensively. You know they've been okay, um, and they've been able to put it out. You know, players in their natural positions, whereas last weekend was a bit more makeshift, and and that could be the case for a little while now, just with the injuries. So, I think the owners may be a little less on you know keeping it all solid at the back, and and perhaps just um, just going forward a bit more because they've got plenty of uh, talent, and we've not even seen Luke Molyneux yet, who looked pretty good in pre-season, uh, scored 12 goals for Hartlepool last year. I think he's the sort of player that. You know, could come in and, and be a real threat, and he's fit now. He um, he was just kept out of the team last week by Carl Hurst, who who in turn got his first couple of goals. So, you know, Luke's a, a great option, I think, for Doncaster to have off the bench, and and they've not had too many um, in the in the opening weeks really. I think Kieran Agold's got two goals off the bench. Um, with the greatest respect, I think that's taken a fair few people by surprise. I wasn't sure what the future was going to look like for Kieran, but um, you know, it looks like he's going to be involved at Doncaster, and, and again, you know, that's a player who's Scored 20 goals for MK Dons in, you know, I think the 18-19 season in League Two. So, sure. you, you that's another potentially massive threat for for Doncaster. But for now, I think Kieran's, um, from what McSheffrey said, is is more of an impact player. You know, George Miller's got the shirt, the number nine shirt, and I, I feel that you know they'll carry on with um, McSheffrey's preference appears to be one up top. So I imagine they'll carry on in that vein for now. Yeah, again, there's a lot of parallels with Northampton and. I think benches are really important now with the increased substitutions and games just seem to be going right to the wire, which is really exciting to watch. And uh, so the strength of your bench versus ours might be important. Um, obviously, you've got quite a lot of threat going forward, I'd say, similarly to us. If any you know, Donny fans are listening, we've obviously got Danny Hilton, who's got a good pedigree, played for Luton, very wily character. Um, just signed Josh Eppier from Leicester, who's a very tricky player, very skillful and can get into good positions. Obviously, Sam, Sam Hoskins is on fire. You mentioned him before we talk, uh, talked on air about Sam Hoskins. Um, just I think he's one of the top scorers in the country at the moment. And he's gone from a player that a lot of Cobblers fans were a bit 50-50 about in terms of his finishing to just being 
absolutely on fire. So he will no doubt be a handful. Is, is Hoskins the one that you're looking at most as a threat? I think he catches the headlines, doesn't he? Uh, mm. Seven goals speaks for itself after five games. Um, that's very impressive. And But then again, you know, you mentioned players like Danny Hilton. Um, yeah. He's someone who, again, probably fits the mould of a, like a Lee Tomlin player who's, who's clearly got pedigree further up the, the Football League pyramid and is capable of, of doing plenty of damage at this level. Um, sure. And obviously... You know, if you've got pace in attack, that's you know that's always a threat as well. With you know the, the chap you've got on loan from Leicester, so no, it sounds like I mean obviously we knew Northampton were a solid team based on what they did last season. Obviously desperately unlucky not to go up. Um, so it you know this is a tough run of fixtures for Doncaster going through. I think next week it's it's Mansfield. Obviously you just you know you ran around the list of teams they've played already. Mm. They've had a, a tough start, but you know they're conducting themselves really well, brilliantly in fact. Um, so. To go back to a point I made earlier, I think a draw would be a good result for Doncaster. Potentially a very good result. Um, and even, I don't want to be negative. I hate, I'm a very positive person, so I hate to be negative. But even if they were to be beaten, it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And I think no, no. you've really got to sit up and take notice when you, uh, you know, you read off names like Hilton and um, and Hoskins with, with those goals as well. Because, uh, you know, Northampton, is like, like at Doncaster, I think there w- might have been a few people wondering whether there'd be a hangover there this season. But, Clearly there isn't, and clearly you know they're looking like they could well um, be up there this season. Yeah, I think hopefully it'll be a good end-to-end game, and there seems to be opportunities at both ends. I think in terms of Northampton, Northampton's defence, our right back, first choice right back McGowan is out injured long term, so we've got a, a young guy in there, and then we've got a guy called McGlaw, who or Malwar, we say we don't really know how to pronounce it. But he came from Blackburn, very fast. But uh, strangely enough, it's been a bit ponderous on the ball at the back. So with someone like Tomlin around, who's savvy as they come, there could be opportunities there for you. And, you know, consequentially, at the other end of the pitch, with your 18-year-old, if he's in you know, a centre-back position or if you've got a bit of an experience there, we're very good with set pieces. So people like um, Guthrie, we've lost Sam Horsfall to um, Stockport, but we've still got Guthrie and we're very strong on set pieces and scored direct from a corner last week from Sam Hoskins. So that's going to present you a few problems so yeah it just seems like yeah it just seems like a good open tussle on paper doesn't it definitely it could well be you know two two good teams going at each other by the sounds of things and like i said two good teams who may well you know be meeting again in the playoffs come may or or perhaps you know even going up there automatically i think um it sets up nice i mean there's only four teams in league two that are still unbeaten uh, and it's a credit to to doncaster and to northampton that they're two of them so yeah it sets it up well um whether it'll be end-to-end, I think Doncaster will probably try and keep it a little bit tighter. Um, they're perhaps not quite as free-flowing an attacking team as, as what I might may have billed them. Uh, <laughs> however, they, um, you know, like I said, they do have plenty of threats in attack and, and they've definitely got goals in them as of Northampton. So, yeah, hopefully we're talking about, you know, a high-scoring game rather than a, a nil-nil. Yeah, it could go two ways. It could be completely cagey because they're both managers are trying to figure each other out and just let's just play it cagey. Or your manager might try and without giving any trade secrets away, but sometimes we're a little bit unsteady in defence and trying to get back into position and we can be sort of carved open a little bit. And maybe your manager will be saying that you've got to get into decent positions early on. You've got to counter-attack really fast and try and catch us out. But we'll see what happens. I, I guess that leads on to some score predictions. Um, you've, you've mentioned a draw and I think it might end in a draw. So let's have a, a proper score prediction. What do you think it will do? Um, I think just a final point, I think... 
one another area of improvement for Donny is they could do with starting games a bit better, uh, perhaps yeah. going first a bit more often. Um, you know what? I think I'd take a draw quite quite happily. Um, sure. Two each. Well, should we go to one all perhaps? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know. Like, listen, a win would be obviously a huge bonus. Um, I think based on how it's been billed, I think a draw seems like a, a sensible guess. Um, so yeah, I'll go. Um, I'll go with one all. Okay, fair enough. I think that's always a sensible bet, isn't it? In these sort of games, probably quite close. Although part of me is thinking there might be a mistake either in your defence or our defence, and that might prove um, important. So I'm going to go... I'd be positive from our perspective and go 2-1 Cobblers, but if it ends up 2-1 Donny, I've at least got the scoreline right in one way or another. <laughs> so let's have a slight detour and talk to Northampton Town Supporters Trust Chair Andy Roberts following the latest trust statement on the no-stand-no-land subject regarding the six fields redevelopment. For context, and it's a long story... We can't make it short. It goes on and on and on. But for context, there's been a little bit of an update from the trust this week. Uh, the trust wrote a letter to Jonathan Nunn, leader of West Northamptonshire Council. Some people might be aware of him and his role there. Regarding their analysis, which suggested the no stand, no land clause was no longer present within the terms of the Six Fields land deal. Now, you might remember a certain councillor standing up at the, the, the public meeting or the um, the meeting regarding this and saying no stand no land repeatedly and it just seems like the um you know the, the goalposts have changed slightly on that one the trust released a statement and you know you can find it on the trust twitter and the trust website quite easily uh the trust questioned how the proposed six or land deal helps the football club to progress uh, i'll read out a little segment of it and then um, andy can have his little word on it i guess the statement begins, it's there in black and white. The leader of West Northamptonshire Council admits there is nothing in the council proposed land deal with Northampton Town FC owners David Bower and Kelvin Thomas, which guarantees that these stand at six fields will be finished. In his written reply to the Sports Trust published yesterday, Councillor Jonathan Nunn admits the no stand, no land stand first red line condition has been dropped from the deal. This was done quietly a week after the Trust supported the deal at an open council meeting on 21st of February. Um, we supported the deal then on the clear promise premise that the stand would at least be finished and bring some ongoing investment benefit to the club. Now, that sort of explains it, Andy. Can you sort of explain it a little bit further, what your um, worries are about what's happened? Well, as you say there, Tom, we spoke at the Guildhall, or I spoke at the Guildhall on the 21st of February, um, essentially giving the supporters trust backing to the deal that was being sought between the council and the football club's owners, which we clearly understood at the time, included the completion of the East Stand, which we all know has been um, left half finished for, for seven years. It's an eyesore. It's not doing anything comfortable for people who sit in it. It's not producing any commercial revenues and it needs to be sorted out and, and as quickly as possible. Um, but we since discover that I think two weeks on from that open meeting, um, the goalposts are moved and the red line condition that the stand will be completed has been taken out of the deal. Um, and we believe that is totally unacceptable um, in that this is supposed to be an, an enabling land deal whereby um, the East Stand would be finished and would look good and would produce um, a little bit of benefit for the club going, going forward. And now that's not happening. So we we're asking exactly um, what is being enabled here now and or um, 
uh, what is going on? It's not acceptable. I guess, I guess for the record, it is, it, it's not known if it's not going to happen, the East End finishing. I guess it comes down to, without a sort of a legal clause in there, it goes down to a trust now a lot, doesn't it? And, you yeah. know, there's a lot yeah. of people with a lot of trust in the owners and, you know, for good or bad, and, you know, people are completely, uh, you know, allowed their views on that. But I guess for experience, um, with the previous owners and the way the East Stand has gone, it's just going through trust isn't necessarily ideal, is it, I guess? No, and this is this is where we're coming from, really. And I understand that position and I understand the position of fans who say, well, you know, just stop banging on about it, you know, um, just let them get on with it. We trust the owners to do the right thing and they may mm. well do the right thing. But the history of the East Stand, and, you know, with respect to David Bauer and Kelvin Thomas, um, it wasn't on their watch that we had this almighty shambles a few years ago, which resulted in, in the stand being built to the, the point it is now. Um, but it is a question of trust and um, things went badly wrong seven years ago. The trust were criticised, and I think, you know, fairly in a way that we were complacent at the time in, in not waking up to the position until it was a little bit too late. Um, so this time round, we've been determined to make sure that, you know, things um, around the, the building of the stand go go forward the way we think they, they should. Um, and we have a difficulty in that the, the owners came in on the clear promise to say that they, they would do the stand. Then when the council cleared up any complexities around the leaseholds back in June 2018, Again, there was nothing to stop them doing the stand and it still hasn't been done. Um, so why, if there is no obligation now in the deal going forward for them to do the stand and spend money on it, why would they do it? Would you do it? Would I do it? No, possibly not. That's why we keep banging on about there being a guarantee in the deal that the stand is completed because I think that needs to happen and that's what supporters clearly want. Yeah, I guess when Calvin Thomas and David Bauer took over the club, they understood the parameters and the environment and what had gone on and that, you know, supporters weren't, or the supporters' trust were never going to um, allow the club to be in a position that it was before and there's going to be a hell of a lot more scrutiny. So I think, you know, I think Calvin Thomas and David Bauer must understand where the trust is coming from on this one. Obviously, sometimes you're going to butt heads a bit, but if it is a you know a smooth deal, which is best for the club, I think they're you know they're going to accept that they're going to get some questions on it. So hopefully, there won't be too much um, you know any problems on that level. Um, you can understand fans to an extent, can't you? That there is a lot of disillusionment about it. You know a lot of fans have become a li little bit numb to it now, but I think that it is important for us to talk about it in a you know, reasonable way. I don't think the the local media cover these things particularly well anymore. I think that um, the coverage is pretty sparse, and so it, it does fall on people like Wallach and, and, and various, you know, outlets like that to just... Um, to talk about these sort of subjects so um thanks for coming on and we'll, we'll, we'll finish in, up in a minute but just um, before you go there was previous news that you were looking at a, a partnership with a local business uh well very well regarded local business for um use of the asset of community value land on the athletics track and which was 
um, supposed to yield quite a, a healthy um, amount to go back into facilities for the club. I think it was 250,000 and that, that fell through, didn't it? it? It must be a bit of a yeah. source of frustration. Yeah, very much so, because we've worked closely with Goodwill Solutions, um, as you say, an established and respected Northampton firm to bring forward a proposal for that land, which we thought ticked all the boxes in terms of, you know, getting the land to work as a commercial development, but that profits would be split between Goodwill and the Supporters Trust and our share of the profit would go into an infrastructure fund to help improve, you know, facilities at, at Sixfield Stadium. Yeah. Um, we thought it was a, a good plan and, and Goodwill thought it was a good plan. They were aware of all the potential pitfalls and, and obstacles that may come their way, but they were prepared to go with it. And um, unfortunately, you know, they were advised not to proceed and, and, the, and they withdrew their support. Yeah, that's, that, that's not ideal because I think that despite all the Issues that have gone on, I think we have to be honest that there have, have been some issues, um, you know, rumbling on that I think a lot of the fans did actually look at the Infrastructure Foundation idea as actually a positive one and one that would would improve facilities of Sixers, which desperately need to be improved, especially when you look at other clubs and what they're doing around our vicinity and obviously... Go on. Something we, we're looking to bring forward, Tom, irrespective of what happens with the ACB deadline and the judicial review and where the deal goes, whatever happens, um, because of the club's unique state in that it has precious few assets and, um, yeah. and, and, and needs to build its infrastructure to become a progressive and ambitious football club, hopefully in the future, yeah. um, we, we need to bring this forward so we can have that conversation and, and, and get, get things moving. Oh, that's good. So you haven't completely shelved the idea completely, but it's just a difficult, no, difficult in terms of just bringing it through, isn't it? Start if the goodwill deal had have come off and been accepted, but um, it's it's still something we think needs to be done at Northampton Town, especially with the doubts over the over the East End completion, which we've just talked about. Yeah, and it, it, it's frustrating from my perspective because myself and Brendan forward in the new hotel end plan and we uh, a figure like 250,000 would be a big um, leap forward in providing some much better facilities for supporters so it's it's frustrating not that we were ever promised any money or anything like that but I think yeah the everyday fan and Brendan's probably better than I do that the everyday fan sometimes gets lost in all this the, the everyday fan that deserves some better facilities deserve you know yeah. um, some better food well, and we, drink and a better time they get, sometimes get lost and I don't think that's yeah I, I, Tom and you know we expect from an, an enabling land deal that we thought this was that um, it would produce some ongoing benefit for the football club in some way shape or form as a result of what was agreed so which is why yeah. we're very disappointed and frustrated by what seems to be, um, you know, very little coming the football club's way in terms of its future prosperity or, or, or future welfare. Um, and, and that's why we are where we are today in terms of the statement we issued. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of fans that just give it a little bit of thought and, you know, fairly reasonable uh, will accept that the trust are going to have their line in it, the club will have their line in it, the, the club obviously hold all the... Uh, cards really and the trust um are just trying to do their best with what the scenario is but you know you can tell in my sort of tone of voice i'm i'm tired of it it's gone on for so long now there's been world wars 
fought and settled in shorter times than this has gone on for. But as usual, thanks for coming on, Andy. And um, yeah, we'll speak again no, soon, no doubt, on, on this subject. Thanks a lot. Thanks. No problem, Tom. Thank you. Right, let's have a little aside now, a musical aside, talking about the town takeover. Festival coming up on Saturday, September 24th. I'm pleased to be joined by Elliot and Joe from the Scratch Record Podcast. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Very well, mate. How are you going? Yeah, yeah, good. We're looking forward to um, that Stockport game, actually. It should be quite a competitive one. And mm. it so happens there's a music festival taking place afterwards, which is, sounds to me like the perfect all day for a football fan, music, uh, football match and then go out in, in town afterwards. Um, before we get into the festival itself, tell us a little bit about your podcast and uh, when it started and you know what it's about. Sick. We've been going for like uh, just over two years now. Yeah. Um, it started off as like a proper lockdown project. We were both very bored, um, like finished our dissertations in lockdown and we're just playing Call of Duty for like 12 hours a day. And we yeah. were like, we should probably do something more interesting and we'd always spoken about it for like a couple of years because we've always been into like finding smaller bands and chatting about them and like sharing music with each other and we were like oh God, like not in the most big-headed way but we should tell other people about this because yeah, yeah we've, we're finding some good stuff um so we thought ah oh, in lockdown we'll take the opportunity to actually do it um so we ended up with our phones lent up against books in uh you were in leeds and i was back in northampton and recorded a couple of episodes and got started and to be honest it's just weirdly snowballed from that to yeah kind of everything else in between from putting on gigs and making merch and now doing press at festivals and interviewing like some of the bigger bands in the country and uh all that sort of stuff but it's just slowly built from there over the last couple of years really yeah it's weird to look back like we've been doing it now it's been two years we've only done 75 episodes because we had a couple of we've had a we had a break before that in the middle of the season three through bits and bobs where i moved back up to leeds and that and it's one of the ones where now if you look at it back to where we were at, sitting in our bedrooms, recording on, you know, I was I had my I had a little bit more of a setup than you did because I'd already got all the gear. But it's like you look back at where we were and how we were editing and how we were recording to now we're well, literally sat in our we're sat in our studio at the minute and it's just like it's a completely different kettle of fish now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So you are you both from the Thompson then? Yeah, I'm, yeah, well, we well, Wellingborough technically. We're Wellingborough we? boys, yeah. Wellingborough way, but yeah, we say Northampton because Wellingborough confuses people. Yeah, so. no one knows, <laughs> no one knows where Wellingborough is unless you're from Northampton. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Wellingborough is a confusing place. I, I, I accept that. That's, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, it's it's it is what it is. Got you know what I mean, it's got a bit of charm to it. I can't say I'll be living here forever. I'll be honest. As soon as I can get out, I will. But it is, it's it's home, and it? it's home. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I think the concept of what you're doing is really interesting because obviously we, we started off the new hotel and project and stuff and it was like really exciting. And, but some of the um, not obstacles that were put in our way, but people were saying there's no music scene in Northampton. What are you, what are you talking about? Because we were talking about we're going to get local bands. We'll get probably some bands from further field as well, but we want a core of Northampton bands to come and play. And they were like, no, there's no music scene in Northampton. So I'm pleased that you're actually saying, yes, there is. And we're going to showcase some. And um, you know, you're you're you really sort of trust in the local talent. And I think people like um BBC introduced and Kerry Kosh is her name, I think she's been championing yeah. you've been on that show. So yeah, you're you're yeah, you know, you really are you're really doing your bit for the local scene, aren't you? Yeah, man, definitely. It's one it's something that we pride ourselves in because obviously we do work with a lot of bands from all over the shop, interviewing people from all over the gap from here mm-hmm. to we've done bands in LA and all this shit as well. So it's like it's one of the ones where because it's where we're from, 
we want to make it as we want to have our input and make it as do what we can do to make it as good as it possibly can be. And yeah. like we have a lot of talented bands that are in this area yeah. that don't get showcased really because there's never any people don't come here touring. So there's no like touring bands to get on supports for and yeah. spread the word of how good our talent actually is. So they've got to leave to get booked for stuff like that. It just which doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to really happen like that in the industry. So like you've got you've got to kind of get lucky, get a lucky break to get out elsewhere. So what we try and do here is when we're doing stuff is champion the bands that we really we really enjoy around here, but also ashing bands from all over the shop as well to try and actually liven up the scene a little bit and make it just make people realise that actually like, you know, we can pull 30, 40 bands down from Manchester, Leeds, London, yep. Yep. from all over from all over the gaff because we have we have the stages we have the we have some of the facilities so it's just yeah. like it's like the chicken in the egg in it you got to build a bit of a scene for there to be fans of the scene mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah that's exactly it needs someone to be to be pushing it and Northampton's really well located you think about it we we can draw people from all four directions really you know point to the compass so it, it does need someone yeah. like you a bit younger as well that are going to um, have the energy for it because you know what Northampton's like we've got a lot of people a little bit cynical a bit of a cynical town a bit difficult you know what's this new thing coming yeah. on once people catch on to it tell, tell us about it I know I know we all know that as, as football fans we know that as well but <laughs> there are a lot of Northampton, there are a lot of people in Northampton that are well into music and there's a there is a big scene that will go to you know to London to gigs Manchester or whatever but if you can draw them in Plus the, the axe, I think it's going to fly. I think it's really good. You must be sort of optimistic, I hope. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, like we always knew that the first one was going to be the big hurdle. As you say, people are a bit worried about new stuff and you know getting the word out about it is difficult and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. that's why we're kind of encouraging people to give to give this a try, like what we're trying yeah. to do, because put a bit of trust in us. We know what we're talking about. And you, yeah. you know, some people from around here they will have heard of the bands, but even if you look at it in Gar, I've never heard of any of them. Trust us and go and pick a few, and afterwards you will want to have heard of them. Like you'll be pleased you've seen them, and you'll listen to more. And I think then people will get more and more into it. And yeah. as Elliot said, it's kind of it's like doing stuff before it's really there. Like yeah. some of the facilities aren't there, like the new hotel end that's yeah. not there yet. You kind yeah. of got to showcase what's there with what we've yeah. got, and then Good go well. and support it and get behind it. And then if you support it now, it can then only grow. And, you know, you can use that as an example and go, well, we could have a main stage at New Hotel and in yeah. however many when you do it. And yeah. you've got some examples of what can be done, but exactly. it's, it's easy to look around and say, there's, there's not really the venues, there's not as many bands as we'd like, there's no interest. But I think we're kind of trying to break that mould. And this is going to be the hardest time to do it the first time, but if people can get behind it, then it will snowball into something pretty, pretty special, hopefully. Yeah, yeah exactly just um, you always keep the faith in this sort of thing it's sort of a bit daunting to do your first one but you'll, you'll be fine um tell us a little bit more about the festival itself like it's on saturday september the 24th like what where are the venues and like what sort of time does it kick off so it's kicking off from about three o'clock um all the venues are slightly different but they're all within uh between three and four o'clock all the venues kick off and um, we're basing the main stage at the black prince and then we've got uh, like an indie pop sort of stage that's going to be running on uh, um, the lab. And then we're going down down bottom of Bridge Street where we've got Brooklyn Social. We've got the upstairs room of that, which is like a really cool, edgy, like yeah. grungier place. So we've got the yeah. punk bands all in there. And then we've also got Phipps Brewery. We've got the Albion Bar. So we're yeah, setting cool. up a stage and a full 
full PA system in there, and that's going to be a bit more like your your indie sing along sort of like a bit more stripped back indie music. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be cool. Yeah, there's some good um, varied venues as well, and it's nice to support the town centre as well because we've been thinking about that as, as football fans as well, trying to get the link back between the town and the football club because football's at six fields and stuff, and trying to try and bring it all together. And I think that most of those labs a little bit further out, but um, no, it's not too far out. But yeah, it's just you'd be, so, yeah, you be surprised. They're walkable, aren't they? They're walkable from each other, and it, oh, can, definitely. Sounds like um. A really a really good event is it it's one of those ones where you buy one ticket one ticket price and you can go where you want yeah so you're basically you pay you pay your one ticket price um and then you go and collect a wristband from wherever we end up setting it up and that wristband will then gain you entry to all four venues um for the whole day so the after party is a separate ticket that's not till after 11 o'clock at yeah. the black print so uh yeah you'll get literally basically every live music act for that price and you can just cut about between so it's kind of meant to be part of the fun where we create a few clashes of good bands and stuff and you've got to kind of work out what you want to see and where you want to go and jump between venues or said if you if you've come from the football and you just want to set up in you know phipps albion bar and carry on drinking because it's kind of the nearest one and see a bit of live music there then that works as well but um Yeah. yeah i do think a big part of it is like what you were saying like i with the football and the rugby and, and everything, it's a bit like you feel a little bit out of town and you need an excuse to come into town. Yeah. And uh, with it's kind of that perfect thing of like, you buy you buy a ticket, you can collect a wristband and your, your night's kind of already planned for you. You haven't got to worry about where you're going and what you're doing and what, all of that sort of stuff. It's like, here's four venues, yeah. full of live music. They've all got, yeah. you know, most of them have really nice big beer gardens. They've got great bars attached to them and everything. So like, yeah. it's just going to be a really good vibe, I think, to kind of like, make it with the football and stuff it is a full-on all day it is a start drinking in the morning you know <laughs> have your have your breakfast get to the football and then come straight off and go to a music festival i mean you, you can't it doesn't really get any better than that that sounds like like i know i know that we won't be going to the football because it'll be a busy old day but that sounds like a perfect that sounds like our ideal day really if we could do it yeah yeah my, mine too and there'll be a lot of people listening to this so hopefully we'll um, support it buy a ticket hopefully you can uh there's um you're doing a little discount, aren't you? So you're doing a 20% uh, discount code if you direct message either a Wallach or um, at the SR podcast. Yes, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Super. <laughs> we'll get a 20% yeah, yeah, discount for your tickets, which um, they're not that expensive anyways. So you'll, you, but you'll get a little bit of a discount on that. And it will just, um, yeah, like we said, it's just a good a good all day. Uh, it's a good thing to do after the football. And something that I've been looking to do for a while is to, you know, Go to the football and go and listen to some decent bands and decent. You probably got you got any DJs and anything like that as well, or you got any other types of stuff going on? Yeah, so the DJs are going to be at the after party, so everything's all bands until eleven o'clock, and then everyone will then well, there'll be two hundred and fifty people because that's the limited tickets that we've got for the Black yeah. Prince, which we'll start at eleven, and there'll be DJs on. There's going to be a couple of people doing like a bit of a cover set sort of thing, um, and that sort of style in the after party, and oh, you know be- it's going to be. It's that, yeah, it's quality. It's that type of like, make turn it into a proper night out then after. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's what we always think when we go to gigs and stuff. You're like, where do we go next? And it's like, well, we'll just carry on the party. We'll just carry on the party just exactly. in the same venue. And I think exactly, that's yeah. what's going to suit like football fans and stuff yeah. as well, because that's when you get like, you know, you get an indie DJ on that's just going to smash kind of Britpop tunes and like Oasis yeah, yeah. and more of a sing, it's like sing along indie yeah. party and everyone's kind of battered from the day and kind of comes together at the end i think that's going to be the bit that's that's, that's quite a lot of fun yeah it sounds we don't even really shouldn't have to sell this 
I don't want to have to sell this. <laughs> yeah. You'll be getting on board with this. And if you're, if you're not, you know, what, what's it all about? But hopefully people will be listening and just support it because I really think it's important when people are putting themselves out there to try to help the town and help, you know, people have a good time that we really got to support it. So anyone listening, just, just buy a ticket Saturday the 24th. Um, can you just reel off like where you can get tickets from and what's the quickest way of doing it? Yeah. So the, the tickets are available on tsrp.co.uk. And then if you go into the buy tickets, it's a buy tickets drop down box at the top, it's top right hand side, or it is on yeah. our homepage. You can just click the link, takes you straight to the ticket page. And then to be fair, we can probably, we can definitely say the um, discount code on here. It's just for like Twitter and stuff that we try not to give it yeah. out to everyone, but it is shoe army TT all in capitals. So that's shoe army TT all in capitals. If you, on tsrp.co.uk head there get your tickets and you know it's going to be to be honest uh, we might also have a few of the bits and bobs on there soon come so yeah it's going to be we're going to be trying to get that website going a little bit more as well so if you subscribe to the mailing list then you'll be kept up to date with all of our gigs that we're putting on in the future and clothing releases and things we've got going on so yeah and um there's you can just get the we're, we've sold out of early birds so you're into normal birds on there that's what we call them yeah. Um, which is just your general admission ticket and there's an after party ticket on there as well but if you are a student we have got a student deal where you get the after party ticket and the uh, general admission ticket in for a 20 pound bundle and you can still get 20 percent off that so if you are listening to us and you are a student as well you are oh. getting a fucking unbelievable deal if you can take advantage of both deals deal. i know Jesus. we are i didn't even think about that yeah <laughs> I, I am gonna push it i don't know how many kind of it, of the crossover there but if you're a student and you're you're a football fan you listen to this and you'll get a very good deal and we are trying to bring it down to the closest we can to just break even. So we're doing our best to discount it for people and stuff. But yeah, it's going to be well worth it, whatever you pay for it, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good deal for students as well. And um, yeah, like I said, hopefully a lot of people come out to support it. I'll keep pushing it. We'll keep pushing it on. Well, look, we're going to be there. Most of us will be there from the podcast. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. And we'll, we'll keep pushing it up until the day. It's a little while, yeah, but probably a month or so is in there. But um, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah so thanks, thanks a lot. Uh, Anytime, thanks, mate. Anytime, we appreciate mate. it. Hey, good luck against Stockport. We'll be really. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll see how we go. Uh, we're doing pretty well. Right, <laughs> guys. Beautiful stuff. Lovely nice stuff. Nice one, mate. Thank you. Cheers, bud. Let's move on to Cobblers v Donny Rovers, who we played quite a lot over the years. Sluggo is one of our sort of opponents. We probably played quite a few times going back in the decades. Um, I looked at some of the stats there. We're dead level on um, league points. I think we've won five, is it, and drawn two? Anyway, something like that, three and two, whatever. And they've done exactly the same. Um, and it just seems like it's going to be a bit of an evenly matched contest on Saturday, Martin. Yeah, yeah, can't can't see it being um, being easy. Um, we all, you know, as I, I think I said earlier, you know, we'll concede against anybody um, equally. I believe, have they got John Mitchell in goal? Yeah, they do. Yes. Um, do they? Oh, that's great. yes. That's, yeah. that's, oh, that's, you know what's going to happen. He's going to have an absolute blinder, isn't he? He's got like the thing we've got a big enough sample that we know he's not a particularly good keeper. Equally, if he's get, you know, if he's playing for them, he, he's done well. But um, I think it'll be, and I, I hate this because I'm going to miss it. It'll be another humdinger and a three-two win, probably with a very late goal. Okay, so you're doing your prediction there, three-two. Okay, I've spoken to the reporter for Doncaster Rovers, and he said that they've got an injury problem in the back, so they might have to play an 18-year-old in defence. So if there's an 18-year-old in defence, I don't want to count my chickens with Jonathan Mitchell um, 
in goal, that does suggest maybe a little bit of a way in James. Oh no, I, I can't believe I forgot <laughs> he's 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 going to play a blinder, isn't he? <laughs> you just know it. Is there should be no logic to it? He is hands. I don't like to sit because he's he's clearly a good keeper. You know, he's he's had a good upbringing, played for England under 19s, I think, didn't he? So he's but for us, he was just genuinely hopeless. Um, there's, there's players you've released, aren't there? Or players who've left you. You thought, oh God, he never really amounted to it. He might make it somewhere else. Um, I remember Booth Void when he released Louis Moult and said, this one might come back and bite me, but I just can't see myself playing him. I'm going to give it, you know, have a chance to play elsewhere. Nobody, nobody ever said when Mitchell went, I can see him playing, playing in League One in a couple of years' time. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. Absolutely awful for us. But, you know, the worst football you ever see playing professionally is 10 times the best football you've ever played against. And, you know, he's, he's fair play to him. He's made it back. Oh, I, yeah. I, I have no doubt if, like, we <laughs> we had a training session with Jonathan Mitchell, he would take the absolute piss out of us, wouldn't he? But <laughs> he was yeah, genuinely... Yeah, as bad as I've he seen was, in the was, was, ever. And I've he, seen a lot of cobblers keepers. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you, you, you'd like to think if he plays anything like he did for us, we're in for a goal fest. Put it that way, but he's, he's clearly he's clearly improved. You know, you 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 you'd hope so. He was he was he was genuinely awful for us. There's no point voting it. <laughs> would a would a one on one with Louis Apparay against him be the opposite of the irresistible force and the immovable object? <laughs> It'd be up to. Right I'm trying to think what the right metaphor would be. I think if uh, Jonathan Mitchell um, came to do a training session with the shoemakers, James, he would probably not get on the pitch because he'd drop his shin pads on the floor and trip over himself and all that. Won't worry about that too much. I'm taking that. He'd probably be thinking, who's that clown throwing up on the sideline? (laughs) (laughs) Food poisoning. He would have that drink. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but they they have got James uh, more seriously. Um, Lee Tomlin, who who played for both Russian Diamonds and Posh, which is probably the two of the worst things on your resume isn't it but a good player yeah well i think that sending off he had on the other week was also a oh, terrible thing to have beautiful. on the resume isn't it <laughs> it was pure petulance in like a 30 in like a tiktok style video <laughs> he, clearly a very good player there. i mean because he, yeah. he, he was training with us last year wasn't he and then oh, did he come then joined walsall that's it max and then played against us and looked exactly what we needed last year that said, whether he's doing it on a consistent basis is a, is another level because clearly on his day he's going to be far above League Two level. But it's obviously, you know, consistently producing, uh, which is why he's he's down at this level because his his talent alone should see him way above League Two. So we've just got to hope that he has a bit of an off day. If he turns it on, he will cause us problems. Yeah. Yeah. The reviews I read um, for him uh, when he was at Walsall is that he did very well for like the first 10 games and then just completely dropped like a stone. Uh, that's the reviews I read from a few Walsall fans. And in the end, they were kind of like, well, why did we sign him? Uh, yeah. but, that's, but that's what happens when you're at the bottom end of the table. You, you kind of have to sign anyone in the hopes that they give you like a bit of momentum and a bit of a confidence boost. So, But, you know, it's still going to be interesting to see him against the... Uh, us on Saturday and obviously with the Peterborough connection he'll probably get a bit of stick hopefully yeah, I hope so Gary McSheffrey seems quite a reasonable up and coming manager so it'd be interesting to see if he can get the, the best out of Tom and hopefully not um, Max in terms of 
starting 11, stuff like that. Obviously, Brady's got one of those nice problems with quite a few attacking uh, choices. Uh, Bowie has been mentioned before, Kieran Bowie. Is he the sort of player that you, you want to see starting or is he more of an impact player for you? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'd like to see him start personally. Um, I think he, you know, he had a very good game against uh, Crew. He's very involved, um, but and like I said, I've not really seen too much of him to be honest. But I'd, I'd just love to see him start, just to see what he can offer. I, my only, my only little issue with him is that he doesn't have the pace. He's he's tall and he's, you know, he, he can cover the ground, but he's it's not quick like Apare. Um So it's kind of like that's my only little issue with him. But like I say, it's, it's not a major concern. Uh, but from what I've read of him, he's a very good technical player, almost like Apare when he gets the ball. You know, he's very good with the ball in his feet and he's happy to put in the commitment. Um, but, you know, obviously there's going to be, you know, there's been questions, you know, raised, um, you know, whether perhaps Josh Epier will start. I mean, personally, I don't think he will. I think he'll come on as an impact player with perhaps 20 minutes left. I think it will probably be, he'll probably start Bowie and then perhaps with about 20 minutes left, he'll bring on Epier. That's what I think he'll do. I don't think he'll he'll rush Epio straight into it personally. That's an interesting point because we put that on Twitter. We put a poll out to start Josh Epio or not. Um, yes or no, essentially. And the current standings are fifty-seven point six percent in favour of him starting. So obviously, there's a quite a few. Really? Yeah, I think it's you know he's 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 such a good player and he showed. I think it was that late in Orient away game. I was really impressed with him. Yeah, my my heart my heart absolutely says start him. Yeah, yeah. My head with every interview I've read about his fitness. Yeah, says don't exactly, disagree. exactly. Yeah. But fans just want to see the best for, players, don't they? So you can understand the, why they want to see him play. For the next month, he needs to do the Derek Asamoah role, and then we can start yeah. him. <laughs> if he can do like twenty uh, stepovers like Derek Asamoah, I'll, I'll rate him even more. Um, the legend. What what a great little um, link there to Derek Asamoah. I'm always there. Appreciate what a player. Do you remember him? Do you remember being like when we played Man United in the FA yeah. Cup, and he was on yeah. like the back page of every newspaper ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo? I was like, yeah. ah, just think how the two careers <laughs> subsequently. <laughs> but that's God. what that's what Asamoah said. He said, "I can do more stepovers than Ronaldo," which is great because Ronaldo's, you know, oh, I can do this and you can't do. But I remember Asamoah ended up at OGC Nice for some bizarre reason. God knows how his agent got him that role, but that's a nice little gig on the. Code d'Azur in France. Uh, yeah, maybe not as good as Ronaldo's career. Um, yeah, so Josh Appiah, people want to see him, but obviously you want to manage him at the same time, so that's a bit of a difficult one. Let's finish with some predictions. Martin's already said 3-2 to Cobblers, so let's go with you, James. What's your score prediction? 2-1 Cobblers. 2-1. Is that just based on sort of blind faith, James? <laughs> well, I wanted to go 3-2, but Martin's already gone for it, and no one likes a copycat, so... Uh... <laughs> fair play, fair play. Um, interestingly, the Rovers, Doncaster Rovers reporter said that they've got quite a few options going back. They concede a few goals. Going forward, sorry, they concede a few goals. Sounds very similar to us, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they face off against each other. Lump on nil-nil, then? Yeah, nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Max was going to go for, wasn't it? Oh, no, I hope, um, no, 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 mate, I'm not that dull. Trust me. <laughs> What's your score prediction there, Max? I was going to say, well, I was going to say 3-2, but Martin beat me to it, so I'm going to up it and we're going to go 4-3. Oh, be like York City in about 4, eight, to 88. Oh, that one. <laughs> that's, that's quite an indication into our respective personalities, Max, Max because we both went uh, wanted to go 3-2, and you went higher and I went lower. 
I'm just happy to go nil-nil. You're more grizzled like the rest of us. Cynical. It's cynical. It's that extra six years, Max. Once you hit 30, you'll become a cynical man like I am now. I always say that with Brendan podcast. Brendan is just so optimistic. He's like, like, I can't wait to go to it. He comes down on a Tuesday night from London to watch Cobblers v Wickham. I'm like, man... We play terrible against Wickham as well. He didn't play well at all. But he's always so enthusiastic. I'm like, give it till like exactly what you said, James. 30. The guy will be grizzled. He'll be cynical. Yeah, ten, ten more years of this. How are you going to be feeling? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to go 2-1. I said to the um, Rovers, 2-1. It could go either way, 2-1. If they beat us 2-1, I completely understand that. But I'm going to go 2-1. Be positive, Cobblers. And... Um, try and assert ourselves in this early part of the season, keep it going and try and get up towards that top three. But um, thanks for talking. It's been really fun as usual. James, keep off the uh, mac and cheese, mate. I'm, gonna, I'm looking. I'm going to get I'm gonna get, get off the mac and cheese and get back onto the beer. I throw up less. Uh, <laughs> on that bombshell, <laughs> we will sign off and we will um, speak again soon. Take it easy, guys. Enjoy the game. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. Have a good evening. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. See you at Cars Bar on Saturday, everyone. See ya. 